Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Prime Picks, the podcast where me and a guest talk about a prime pick of their choice. Uh, this is the podcast where I showcase the world of Prime Video, the black sheep, the dark horse of the streaming sites out there. And this week, this episode, you know, I was, you know, trying to find someone to come on, you know, I'm trying to schedule in people and I just didn't have anything, but my producer, Josh of Merc with Movie Blog here, he's like, hey, I can get someone for you. And lo and behold, we have a, a new guest on talking to the first time from DC Comic News podcast. Brad, how's it going, Brad? Hey, I'm good. How you doing? Good, good. Good, good. Looking forward uh, to the conversation. It is. And you, your pick actually surprised me. Uh, it's another Amazon original for this episode. And the documentary, Val, all about Val Kimmer. So before yeah. we go into the film in deep detail, uh, what is your relationship with Val Kilmer? Do you, have you seen all his movies? Are you a big fan of them? Uh, you know, I, I have seen most of them. Uh, and I, I think before this film, if anything, I was more curious. Uh, there was something always a little aloof about him, I thought. And I wouldn't go as far as to say mysterious, but I found that, you know, there wasn't a lot out there about him necessarily. And he had been gone from the public eye for so long. I thought that this documentary would be uh, worth checking out. And of course, you know, as, as I'm a contributor to the DC Comics News podcast, I'm a Batman fan. So that alone made me want to watch this. And when I was younger, I, I love Top Gun. Uh, even though now I like it a bit less after watching it as an adult but you know growing up i absolutely uh loved top gun so yeah a lot of it was maybe a bit of nostalgia but a lot of it was curiosity and just wanting to learn more about a subject that i that i didn't really know that all that much about yeah for me i am i wow i like beforehand i was like i've seen like a handful of films with el kilmer in it i mean i knew batman forever was gonna pop up because it because of course DC Comic News, all that jazz, and of course I've seen Top Gun. I I love Top Gun. I actually have like two copies of the film on DVD, so I am like a sucker for that. But I'm like, ooh, there's a lot of films I haven't seen of Val Kilmer. But I would, I, I you know, I popped it in to watch this afternoon today, and I literally teared up. I I got emotional. I got cried. It, it's such a beautiful documentary. And where would you want to start off with, with Val? Well, I, I, I think the first thing while watching it that I, that really resonated with me and touched me was the fact that uh, his son did a lot of the voiceover mm-hmm. in his father's voice because you know now. Uh, Val Kilmer's had throat cancer and um, mm-hmm. can't really talk that well. So I thought that was that was very touching that and was. emotional and such a nice thing for his son to do. And it just really demonstrated their relationship. So right from that point, it kind of it kind of had me. Yeah, it was pretty cool. His family in general, his his kids are amazing. Like 
there's one point in the documentary i just want to like it's way deep in where they it's all about like tombstone and jack is reading the script for the voiceover and he's talking about the character that his father played and it's like he was also a dentist and it stopped for a second I was like, really <laughs> it got, got me a chuckle a bit i was like oh there we go there's, there's some la- laughter in there in this documentary jeez yeah yeah no, and you yeah. know and uh saying oh there was a little bit laughter in this documentary and that you teared up um you know i social media a lot of you know my friends have commented that they watched it and they said the same thing that they teared up but it was it it was almost a tearing up of not of sadness but just of appreciation of the human spirit kind of and Mm -hmm. what Mm -hmm. he's been through so right uh, I, i think that that laughing kind of goes hand in hand with a little bit of those kind of tears that you would get through this because it was a very, like just a very human story and it really did demystify him uh, in a lot of ways and really brought him down to earth. Yeah. And also I was just surprised that he was filming a lot. He has like tons and tons of footage of them filming on cameras over the years, like hours. I'm like, Whoa. That's like dedication to the craft. Like he wanted to see himself grow up, you know, and show the world that now I was like, damn, that's just mind blowing. Yeah. And that's really amazing too. It's, it's kind of beautiful that he, that it wasn't all a waste, that it wasn't, you know, for years just sitting in a warehouse somewhere that he was able to take that and make this movie. And I, I mean, it, it, there was scenes where he was kind of going through some of the footage, you know, uh, you know, showing some of the tapes and all that. Mm-hmm. And there's just so much there. I, I bet they could easily make another few documentaries of footage that he has shot. And just how amazing that he was able to um, capture so much of his life, especially before the social media days. Uh, that, that's pretty incredible. And it's just so nice to see that it didn't, that, that people got to see it. Yeah. The, I, I definitely learned a lot about Velcomer in this because it goes deep all the way from his childhood all the way up to present, pretty much. And, you know, the first kind of sad thing that I kind of teared up was his brothers. And when his younger brother, Wesley, died from drowning in the jacuzzi, and that that's um, kind of hits me hard because my brother, uh, passed away recently so it was just like i felt oh, that no. with yeah. bell so i was like damn this is hitting me right in the heart so bad so yeah, yeah. but it was I mean, like I, good yeah i hope that it was because that's what i was gonna say i was like i hope that's that was a, a good kind of hitting you in the heart instead of it was it was just kind of like good. it was a mutual fe- feeling so it was just like i'm not the only, only one out there yeah i uh, you know and my takeaway from that in, it was just it looked like Wesley was very talented uh, in directing. And just to think that he could have been a talent just as good as Val. And had mm-hmm. he been a filmmaker and Val an actor, what they could have done together. And, you know, my, my heart broke for his dad, too, because it was already a strained relationship, I think. And the fact that his dad blamed himself be- for Wesley's death because he didn't um, keep after him about the epilepsy medicine so that would be uh you know such a a very hard thing to try to live with you know after it happened so that that 
kind of made me tear up in that respect because I really felt bad when we learned that, you know, the father kind of blamed himself for what had happened. Yeah, I love how he pays tribute to him whatever he can. I think the, his second film, which was Real Genius, he actually can see, like, it's very brief in the documentary, mm-hmm. you can kind of see a clip of it, and he points, there's an arrow that points to, like, one of Wesley's drawing within the movie that Vel Kimmer put into the movie. Yeah. It was pretty awesome. I was like, oh, fuck yeah, way to go, Val. Yeah, that made me glad that I actually watched the film a second time, because I missed that when I watched it the first time and I saw it and I was like, Oh wow, that's, that's really cool that he did that. So yeah, I, I, I noticed that when I watched it earlier. Uh, yeah. The second time. Yeah. It's, there's a lot of details that uh, we probably won't go over because there's so much packed into this documentary, but they don't cover everything at all. They skip quite a few films altogether. I mean, they hit on the most like iconic films that in his career, you know, I, I didn't realize that he didn't want to do Top Gun. He he was under contract. And I was like, oh, oh, oh. Because I guess Tony Scott, you know, gave him a little bit of, you know, fun on the set. But it was like, I don't see that in his performance whatsoever. I was like, that's good craft in acting where you can act without showcasing your personal feelings. Yeah. And it's it's cool, too, because in it, he says that, they ended up having a really good time on the set and he did enjoy working with Tony Scott and the behind the scenes footage that he showed, you know, them kind of hanging out and partying uh, were fun and how he was such good friends with Kelly McGillis during the shoot. I thought that was, that yeah. was kind of cool because they both went to Juilliard. Yes. That, so, was, the, yeah. that was the connection and it, it intercuts between, you know, the, the, Home movies, it intercuts the films, intercuts, you know, to per, right, like personal life where Bell Kilmer is showing around Juilliard to his son Jack. And he's like, My name's just under this actress. This is a famous actress. And it cuts to Kelly. And I was like, Oh, that is really cool. Yeah. 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 Because she's another one that's kind of, you, you haven't seen much as far as acting goes uh, recently. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, I'm wondering if you know how how they keep in touch, and yeah, that was it's always kind of nice to get that um, you know that that behind the scenes kind of how how they really get along and how they interact, and that was kind of kind of a cool thing about the film too is that he has a lot of that in there um, from so many films from you know Top Secret and Heat, and I, that that was that was fun for me to watch. Yeah. That's the thing. If you're like a fan of film and cinema and Val Kilmer, this is like the one to watch if you want to see like footage from behind the scenes, at least of interacting with a lot of people. And it was fun to see that. Even though I think there was like one early home movie where he's doing like a play and he's there with Sean Penn and Kevin Bacon. I was like, (laughs) Bacon's like, whoa, is that a video camera? Wow, man. (laughs) Everyone was like, in awe of the video camera that Val brings around. It's like, is that a video camera? Wait, are you recording me? Does that record voice? Yeah. Especially when he was <laughs> like filming that. around his mother. It was just like, yeah. <laughs> it was so good. Oh, uh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And both Kevin Bacon and Sean Penn with a camera at a point. So that was, that was kind of funny as well. I mean, it's, yeah. 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 Um, uh, 
and and you know and the batman stuff going back to batman that kind mm-hmm. of that that stuff was was fun too uh and i i think that he had the most brilliant one sentence to say about the idea of playing batman in the movie he said that every little boy wants to be batman nobody wants to play him in a movie and that is there is such a big difference there and he was talking about how um he couldn't really move in the suit at all Mm -hmm. so basically he would just show up he realized at some point that he just had to show up and go where they told him to go and you know he said that jim carrey and tommy lee jones their performances were so big that he really didn't have to do anything so i think that as much as a batman fan as as he was growing up that film was a real quick dose of reality to what it's really like to film those kind of movies and that kind of made me respect those movies in a way and the performances in them because, you know, it, it, it is like that. It is a, a your these characters that you love. It's very different trying to bring them to life on a screen with special effects and things like that. And I just thought that was kind of a cool insight into uh, into the whole superhero movie. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the. He was like, count how many times I put my arms around my waist yeah. <laughs> during the film. And I was like, oh, let's yeah. watch it again. I'll count how many times you do that. And he said that it was almost like acting in a soap opera. I kind of felt that when he said that, because it was like that romance between him and Kim. And yeah. I was just like, ah, okay, that makes sense. Like, yeah. throughout the whole movie, you actually kind of see his mindset when it comes to movies and whatever like you don't see it but like behind that mind of this he's he wants he's such a perfectionist he wants to be like a classically trained like actor like shakespeare like hamlet was the one of the first things he keeps like reciting at very beginning when he was like at juilliard or like whatever and i was like oh but he never got the chance to act in any prestige kind of film though yeah, and then he goes and does Top Secret, which he even calls in the film fluff. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, and that's funny because it wasn't until after I saw Val for the first time that I noticed that also on Prime is Top Secret. So I, yeah. I watched it for the first time not too long ago. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, I would call it fluff, but it was, you know, it was fun. I mean... If I was an actor, I would I would do that for my first film. So you know, not to be ashamed of. <laughs> no, yeah, and he was in London during that shoot, and that's where he got his first glimpse at his uh, first wife. Right, and that's such a cool story that they just randomly met up years later when she was cast in Willow. Yeah, so that was a that was a beautiful story. There was a couple of those coincidences coincidences jesus christ uh, in in the in the film where it was that for willow but then of course when he first got trying to get the call to val for casting for batman forever he was in africa yeah. and he was exploring a bat cave and it was like and it was like whoa destiny is calling yeah 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 i mean it's, it would be hard not to see a little bit of spirituality i don't know if spirituality is the right word but a little bit of being pushed in a direction like fate or destiny when when things like that happen yeah and there was a lot of 
kind of faith talk in this as well as he talks about you know god and church and once in a while which that's a nice thing just because he's so val like after watching this val he's so humble he is so like um there's one point in the film where he's you know signed autographs at a comic-con and then you know he goes to a a screening of tombstone and he talks about how everyone loves his past films and characters but he's like now he, he was embarrassed but now he's like more humble by the fact that he's got fans and he's willing to interact with them yeah i mean i i think that 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 happens with age and i think that in in a lot of ways he's aged gracefully i mean i know that with the cancer and everything it definitely presents its challenges, but he, he seems to have a great attitude. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I said earlier, you know, that I always found him kind of aloof in his movies. It was kind of nice to see the opposite of that as he grew older. And now, despite the challenges, he seems more accessible than he ever has to me. So um, I, that was, that was kind of nice to see, too. That, that kind of warmed my heart a little bit. Yeah, when I first heard about this film, when it came out, like, uh, we're recording this in September, so this is a month ago, and there was, like, news of, like, there was an AI voice for Vel Kilmer, you know, to be in the film to, for voiceover, and I read up on it just, just before we started recording, and I was like, oh, there's a bit in the film, actually, like, towards the end, where there's voiceover of Vel, and that's actually the deep fake AI voice, actually. Um, yeah, it's I, it's it was yeah. like, it was accurate and it was like on point. And I was like, and I I assumed that was like from like a archived, you know, from a video that he made years ago. But no, that was a recent AI voice. You, you know, uh, that's kind of fascinating to me because with the whole deep fake thing, uh. It's amazing that the controversy is starting in. Do- well, I mean, maybe not, but that the document that the controversy is starting in documentaries and not in regular films. Um, right. You know, I, if you remember Roadrunner, the Anthony Bourdain documentary yes. came out, and there was a whole big controversy about that, and now with mm-hmm. this one. And yet, when they do it kind of in movies like um, Mandalorian or Rogue One, they. Nobody really had a problem with it, but uh, in documentaries, people are are really, really talking about it. And I think that that's a good thing. But, you know, obviously with this, it's not a lot of controversy. It seems like it had his blessing, but I'm so glad, like I, I, like I said earlier, that they used his son for most of the voiceover. Yeah, I, mean, I did. Thank God they didn't use the, the deep fake. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, because people were, at first I was like, wait, is... Are people confusing that for Jack? Because Jack does sound like him, sort of, but not really. Like, it was sort of a match, but I was like, that's not Jack. That's not, I mean, Jack is Jack. Uh, and no, yeah, it was. And also, th- there's a few points in the film where he actually, you know, talks through his tube because mm-hmm. of, and it was like, you get that voice, and I'm like, at first, I was like, mm, I can understand what you're saying, but it's like, it's kind of like, I don't like it, but eventually I got used to his voice through the tube over a while. So I was like, but I was, that made me connect to him more. I was like, mm, he's just a regular dude. Just like, yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, even though he's, you know, he's a troubled 
actor, you know, you know, behind the scenes, you know, tough to work with. There was like, there's like this montage towards the end of showing every film after, you know, the highlighted ones. And it was like showing each film and then it ends up showing Robert Downey Jr. saying, yeah, he's, he's hard to work with. My God. And I was just like, perfectionism is okay. I mean, I, I can understand that I'm perfect. I'm trying to be perfect once in a while. And I, I can see that mindset from Bell Kilmer. You know, that, that, that whole perfectionism, uh, perfectionism thing. And had it in somebody else's hands, it could, it could be, more annoying but you know there were a, a few times in the film where he was talking about searching for truth uh mm-hmm. and that's what it felt like to me it was like a quest it wasn't it wasn't selfish or vain it was truly all about the craft and the art mm-hmm. and that that's something that i can respect yeah i think that's that was stemmed from especially with the doors playing Jim Morrison yeah. Yeah. that he really connected to Jim and really like took that to heart for, you know, and I was like, yeah, I could, I, they're very kindred spirits. That's for damn sure. Yeah. So, and I, I loved how you said the, the idea of anybody else playing Jim Morrison. I forget exactly what he said, but basically nobody else was going to play Jim Morrison, but me. And you know, he sent in the audition tape and sang the songs and uh, really pushed himself. So that was, to me, I think that's his most iconic role. From my view, it would be what I would think would be his favorite role. It just seemed like the one that he really went out on a limb for more than almost any other. Yeah, I think I agree with that, actually. I think The Doors is definitely the that one role that you can consider that his best and his most dedicated role to everything else I've seen or clip wise in this documentary, it just feels like he was trying to, you know, live his life, you know, trying to not like coast by, I mean, eventually down the road, he was, he, he got in debt, but it was just like trying to raise a family, you know, having mm-hmm. his firstborn daughter being Mercedes and then Jack later on. And like those kids are damn cute when they were young. And I was like, oh, family. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, family was such an important part of this, too. Uh, it was getting into his relationship with his parents and his brothers and his children. That was like such a like a firm spine of the movie. If you take that out of it, you don't have a heart. And going back to the idea of, you know, living your life or doing what you have to do to get by, even if that might be the case on some of the roles that he took, I I think that he took them all seriously to the point where, you know, he had, you know, and that also was something that made me respect it because it's like there was, you know, that old saying, there's no small roles, there's only small actors kind of mm-hmm. thing that's something that he kind of took to heart yeah and i loved how he he loved working with his idols you know in, in heat with um pacino and de niro yeah. And, yeah. and god help us all island of dr moreau with uh with marlon brando what a mess that oh my god that was oh, oh man, man. I, I heard it like infamous stories about that film and then once i saw the behind the scenes from that i was like oh yeah whoa yeah yeah it was like worse than we had heard yeah so much it was just 
like he didn't he, well he didn't end up actually working with marlo brando yeah. that much it was just like yeah. oh did not did we not hear him not coming to set no yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then the, and... And the director the director was Frank, frankenheimer just was so harsh like turn that camera off yeah yeah i mean that was that seemed like a nightmare wow i was like blown away by that yeah and even still, nightmare as it was, he came to work, put his boots on, you know, and, and did the job. And it didn't discourage him. You know, it, it didn't break his spirit. He went on and, you know, made mm -hmm. a lot more movies. Where to, uh, you know, Perugia Balk, for instance, I don't think she did much after that movie as far as acting goes. She's done a lot of, you know, other things since. But, mm -hmm. you know, she may not have bounced back from that horrible experience. You know, Val kept going on and keeping on. Yeah, and then towards the end of the film, like when he started to write Citizen Twain and start performing that as a stage show, and and I was like, oh, I I was not aware of this. I did not realize this this was a thing. I that was like 2013. I was like, wow, I really was not been looking that up because that, that was a massive thing and you know you'll see when i jimmy fallon promoting it to be on broadway and then wanted to make a film version of it and i was just like huh and that's just before he uh went to the hospital yeah was... that's a shame because had had that worked out differently um that would have been up there with Jim Morrison, that would have been like good bookends on some of his best performances. Because that was, in, you know, the the Mark Twain thing. He that was just another one that he just put his whole heart and soul into to become this character. And that's that's just a shame that 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 film never materialized. But you know, it, it's good though that a lot of people did get to see it in some form. But it's yeah, it is too bad we didn't get that film. Yeah, I think I was looking at his IMDb and his Wikipedia articles, and I thought I saw like a couple years ago they did a film version. It was called Cinema Twain. I wasn't sure of that mm, or not. Okay, so they might have done that somehow. Um, so I was like, it's oh, out I there. didn't know that. Huh. I guess huh. it's out. I guess it is out there. Let me double check IMDb because I know Wikipedia said it, but I'm not sure if it's on IMDb. Yes, it is. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. Yep. I'll have to go and, I'll have to, yeah. Huh, I'll have to go and find that. Yeah. I don't, that. don't know where we're going to find that. But yeah, if you guys want to check that out, they they filmed it apparently, and it's uh, Cinema Twain. Uh, they came out March 14th, 2019. So, oh, okay. <laughs> See, I didn't know that either. So, yeah. Um, that's good to know. Um, yeah. No, honestly, like after seeing this film, I am, uh, I, I'm going back to see his films. Like it's the ones I missed out on, the ones I've just like I, I feel more connected to them. I feel more because most celebrities and actors and actresses, you know, whatever, you don't get that connection because you don't know their personal story. You know, you might read about it, and but you don't get to witness it in front of your eyes, and. With Val, I just like I kept saying, "Wow, I've totally missed the ball on Val Kilmer." I totally, I wish I'd seen his films more often. But you know, everyone's perfect. I think it was very smart of Amazon to put a lot of his movies on Amazon now, because um, I yeah. think that 
I think one of the reasons why people are responding so so positively to this documentary and that it is getting such a good buzz is the fact that it's forcing a lot of people to do the same thing, to reevaluate and want to go and rediscover his movies again. Because I think that it really presented a, a Val Kilmer that we hadn't seen before or knew existed or wouldn't have expected to see. And that kind of picks audiences by surprise. If I, if I could describe the documentary in one word, it would probably be intimate. And it was just such a, he didn't really hide anything, warts and all. Um, you know, it was just his life very honestly and directly. And that, that kind of humanity is something that you can't fake. So I, I think that's another reason why people are responding, it and responding to it and wanting to go back and rediscover the movies. For sure. I, what, Val, thinking back on it, it just, like I said, I got emotional a lot. And it took me a rare while to find a film that actually got me emotional like this. And I was just like, I'm so connected to actors, actresses, cinema in general. And I just felt that through and through. Yeah, yeah. There is something magical and, and enigmatic about filmmaking, I think. And anytime you can pull that curtain away is... Yeah, you know, it's very fun, and you always learn a little bit more. Now, I would have a question for you. Did you watch this before I suggested this for the podcast? Had you seen it no, before? No, this oh, is my okay, first time cool. watch. Oh, nice, cool, cool. Um, no, yeah, yeah. It seems like you liked it, so I'm glad that I'm glad that I was able to pick something that you um, that you enjoyed. Um, so far on this podcast, I've generally liked the films that people were picking i was just like okay you guys are doing good picks and this is definitely a solid prime pick for sure it's yeah. um i mean it's on it's on it's amazon original for a reason it's um a24 too i realized it was um, oh yeah a24 like, does great I like, like I, I love so much of what they do i was like oh it's a24 oh nice smart um yeah was there anything from the documentary that you, you didn't know about Val or it was just something that totally shocked you? I wouldn't say it shocked me or that I didn't even didn't know. But one thing that I really liked was early in the documentary, how uh, they wrote a play. Um, him and his um, theater group uh, about a uh. German revolutionary. And uh, they they ended up performing it for the public theater. I thought that was, that was kind of cool and showing his talent. I didn't realize um, kind of that he was writing that early. And, uh, and it almost kind of made, made, me, made me wonder if, if now that acting uh, is probably behind him, if he would ever consider going back to writing you know, plays or screenplays, because I would like to see what he would do with that. Yeah, I mean, he, he there, there was like, you know, of course, a lot of interview clips, and there was like one interview clip that popped out there. there uh, Val wrote poetry, and he wrote especially about his time in Juilliard. It was like, there was like one poem called Acting Room or something, or Acting Class, and they just read that off. And it was like, he's got poetry out there you can read. And yeah. 
I was like, oh, okay. He's a talented writer. And he was the first to establish playwriting at Juilliard because there wasn't a program there at the time. And he was the youngest to be accepted yeah. at Juilliard. Yeah. And I was, I was like, whoa, wow. He, 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 I mean, that's who he is. That's just, he was fast tracking that quick. Yeah. I mean, I just loved his mindset on everything and just totally was that. I don't know. I, I'm still like over the moon on this film. I'm still like thinking scenes. It's a very well crafted documentary. I, yeah. I, I just, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoy this. Yeah. And I kept thinking too, I wonder, you know, I mentioned the footage that we didn't get to see. It's like, how cool would that have been to be one of the team that got to look at all this video? Uh, just imagine what they got to see, you know, as part of all this. I bet there was some some real gems that they, you know, that they had to leave out. But yeah, you know, I, I you know, I, I can only imagine. Yeah, I, you know, you're saying over the moon, and, and it does. It has that kind of. It it really kind of makes you think and kind of changes your mindset after you see it for the first time for a little bit. I, I you know, it's. I, I guess another way to say it is that it, it sticks with you. And that is always a sign of a good film. God, there's just, there's just so much in this film. And I just got, okay. What I normally do at the end of the podcast here for prime picks is like, like prime video, we're going to do a rating and a little blurb because there's a chance to write a little review about this. So out of five stars, what would you rate this film? Uh, I, I would give it four. I would give it four stars for sure. Okay. And write a little review blurb about this film to recommend. If you want to see a very intimate and honest uh, look and examination of an actor and his career and his family and overcoming challenges and and finding your truth uh then i i think val is definitely a documentary that you should uh check out uh you know you you familiar with him from you know his big films uh you know like batman forever and and heat and top gun um but this is uh a definitely more revealing portrait of him as an artist than we've ever seen before. I did this on the last episode, which I didn't do in the previous episode, but uh, you're pretty close to the average customer reviews, which altogether is a 4.8 out of 5. Oh, nice. On Prime Video. So um, they, they, people love it as well. One last thing I'll mention before wrapping up is that I, I guess he's still continuing acting. He's got films on the slate still. He's, I don't know how he's doing that. I'm kind of curious to look at his newer films and see how he is. But I've heard he's coming back for Top Gear Maverick. I don't know how that's going to work, but um, I'm thoroughly uh, looking forward to Val's future. And I'm now I'm going to have to dive deep into the catalog of Val Kilmer now. Yeah. Uh, see, I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't really realize that he had um, stuff in the pike. That's great. Uh, I'm all about kind of a, a new wave of Val Kilmer movies. 
And uh, I, you know, and I'm glad that you said that he was going to be in Maverick because I, to me, that was just a rumor. So if it's confirmed, that's great. And I, yeah, I am too going to wonder how they, how they do it. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll say that that makes me a little more excited to, uh, to check it out. Definitely a prime pick for sure. Val, highly recommended. I totally agree. So um, that is it for the podcast, folks. If you want to check out anything else on the Merc with a Movie Block feed, please do so. There's other podcasts here like Oh, What a Marvel. Uh, there's The Return of Beyond the Screen. Uh, if you actually have heard by now, just check it out. There's a video podcast on the feed on YouTube. Just check out Movie Blog Merc whenever you can. Um, Brad, where can people find you on the internet? Okay, so you can find me uh, writing news and reviews at dccomicsnews.com. I can uh, also uh, hear me on the DC Comics News podcast and the Harley Quinn Mad Love podcast, which is also part of the DC Comics News podcast network. And you can follow me on Twitter at FlickyB1. Uh, that's F-I-L-I-C-K-Y-B and the number one. Awesome. Uh, if you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Mixtape, I'll post random movie stuff, what have you. Everything I do is in my Twitter bio, which is you know stuff on the um, movie blog Merc here, and uh, my own personal network, which is uh, several podcasts I'm still working on editing at the moment. And the main one I do is Into the Grid, which is Power Rangers, Power Rangers podcast I do with my fellow friend Sean. Uh, check it out at Go to the Grid on Twitter and just follow it at anger.fm slash into the grid. Thanks for listening, folks. And will, will I, I will, yes, I will for sure. See you next time when the next person picks a prime pick. Mm-hmm.